we've been entrusted with the gospel of Christ. We've been entrusted with God's word. Those words are powerful. Those words are life-changing. They're transforming. And those words are powerful beyond our understanding. And you know, when we preach and when we share the gospel, we set people on fire for Jesus. We set people on fire in a way that they've never known before. You know, we have an old house. It's quite an old house. And it's a money pit. In these last few years, it's been a struggle. It's a bit like the fourth road bridge. You know, you get to one end and you finish and you've got to start again. And uh, things are always going wrong. But you just have to accept that with an old house, don't you? I'm sure many of you around here have old houses. But one of the benefits when we moved into this house was it has a very big fireplace. And there are two seats, one either side, because originally the building would have been a single story thatched, heather thatched cottage. And since then, things have been moved and built up and built along, etc. But that fireplace, when we moved in, we thought, fantastic, look at that. We'll get the fire going. So we set about, when we moved in, to put the fire on. And we lit it and we left the room, went into the kitchen, had some lunch and came back and couldn't see the living room. <coughs> the smoke was everywhere. The problem was that the chimney needed some help to get the fire up. And we ended up having to leave the fire. And that winter, we sat with sleeping bags in the living room watching telly because we couldn't get the heating above 60 degrees. So we went along to the local person that does fires down in Newcastle and he said to us, oh, we can transform your life. We'll put in a log burner. That log burner will make your living room warm. And he sold further ones on the strength of the, uh, the bit that we told him. This young couple's lives were transformed by having a fire. They used to sit in the sleeping bag in the living room and they were freezing. <laughs> you know, it was wonderful. This log burner did transform our lives. One night, we went to bed and the great thing about a log burner, if those of you have it, is you can leave them just to slowly simmer all night. So I put a, fire log, a log on the fire. I put a big log on the fire. It was a big log. <coughs> and I put it on the fire and shut the door and we decided we'd get ready for bed and I went into the kitchen and as I came back the fire was roaring. It was roaring and it was getting even bigger. And the flame was getting red and then the flame was getting white and then the chimney started going red and then the chimney started going white and basically the fire was bouncing off the floor. So I ran outside at half past twelve at night and looked and see flames coming out of the chimney. So we ran the fire brigade. And of course they came along with turntable ladders with a huge uh, light, spotlight. Now we live in a hamlet of about 14 houses so you can imagine how popular we were with the neighbours. They put the fire out and the fire calmed. But you know, we weren't singing that wonderful hymn that night Come God of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. Because we'd had enough. We'd had enough. Our house smelt. The flames were everywhere. And we were just literally uh, on our knees. But, do you know, 
Isn't that what happens in the lives of so many of us when we stop reading the gospel? When we turn our back on Jesus, the fire goes out in our hearts. And then do you know what happens? The enemy creeps in. And it takes no time at all for the enemy to creep in when the fire goes out, when it goes cold. And for us, the enemy crept into our chimney where our lovely log burner was as soon as the cow blew off over winter. And we ended up with a family of seven jackdaws sitting in our chimney, making residence in our house and basically squawking and posturing and making a lot of noise. They lie on the chimney on a lovely day, sunning themselves and generally making a nuisance. When we let the fire go out in our lives, then the enemy will creep in and take over that place once inhabited by Jesus. And we mustn't let the fire go out. As preachers and ministers, we need the fire to be hot, white hot as it says in Peter. We need to feed the flame to keep that fire going in the lives of so many. And the only way we can do this is through the Word of God, the Scriptures, the powerful, life-changing Gospel. So we need to preach the Gospel. We need to share the Gospel at this time. Why? Because time is winding down, isn't it? Jesus tells us he's coming again and we don't know when. So we have a commission to go out there and to share the word of God in the lives of those who don't know. Because the lost are many. They're out there now who don't know the wonderful word, the transforming, life-changing word of Jesus. And we have a job to share that with them. That's our great commission. We have a gospel to proclaim. Good news for all throughout the earth. We have a gospel to proclaim. So to preach the word. Well, many of you I'm sure will admit this morning. It's a long time since you've had uh, a sermon preached on hellfire and damnation. Now I don't propose to beat you over the head this morning. But you know, the word of God should challenge us, shouldn't it? It should make us uncomfortable. It should change our lives because it convicts us of our sin. And only when we're convicted and we come to a point of repentance does God turn his face towards us and bless us. Because God cannot look upon sin he is holy. He is holy. And so as preachers and ministers and leaders, we need to ask that question when we're preparing. Where is the word? Where is the power? And where is the fire? In God's word. We need to preach with power to ignite that flame. Because when the word of God is used, and used powerfully, it will change lives. 
In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Young men will see, will dream dreams. Young men will see visions. I will pour out my spirit on all people, men and women. The sun will be turned to darkness, the moon to blood, before the great day of the coming and glorious day of the coming of God. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What a wonderful, wonderful words. You know, in 1991, some of you may remember this. A man called Rodney King was on parole in America for robbery. And he was on his way home following a night out. And he was chased in his car by police officers who stopped him, beat him up and nearly killed him and left him for dead. And on that day following, the riots in that area became immense. And I'd like to share this quick story with you. Los Angeles was burning on the evening of the first Rodney King verdict. Many of us remember why during an arrest a video camera had recorded policemen beating King, an African-American. And those officers had just been exonerated. The predominantly black neighborhoods of South Central Los Angeles exploded in retaliation and riot. Violence was vengeful. Violent and indiscriminate behavior. News cameras filmed a group of young men dragging a Hispanic worker from his truck, knocking him to the ground and brutally beating him. Into that angry mob waded an elderly black minister named Bernie Newton, whose name will forever bring honour to the office of pastor. Pastor Newton, risking his own life, repeatedly stepped in the way of those who were delivering the blows. He took the punches and kicks on his own back and legs. He shouted above the curses of the attackers, This man has done nothing wrong. You must stop this. You must stop this. And eventually they did stop. They turned away in disgust from an old man who had faced their fury with nothing more than a Bible in his hands. Why did he have a Bible? Surely it was a symbol of his office, but it was also a statement of his faith that wherever facing life nor death, he would entrust himself, body and soul, to what this book attests. Why bank so much on a book? We have to answer that question because we believe what we believe about this book will determine what we say and do to safeguard those whom God puts in our care. If any erosion of faith in this generation, it would be because we who are church leaders forget the nature of the book. Forgetting the nature of the book is easy to do. This reminding letter in the first generation of the gospel of Christ makes it clear our tendency to forget the nature of God's word. And so we will not forget that the Apostle Paul reminds us in his letter to Timothy on the nature of scriptures and tells us that we hear the voice of God in them. You know, God's word is not just for our information. It's for our transformation. 
our transformation. It changes lives forever. And I know you will have heard and know people whose lives have been transformed through the gospel of Jesus. Yet sometimes what can pass for preaching denies the nature and the name of Jesus. John 1 states, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Jesus is the Word. He's the living Word, isn't he? He changes lives. He transforms people. And as we said, all Scripture is God-breathed. Useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. So it's important that we hang on to the Word of God in our lives. You know, God doesn't call the equipped. He equips the called. So each one of us here today, when we turn to Jesus, equips us with gifts and talents that we never knew we had. And those gifts can be used to his glory. And today, every one of us here has a gift that we can use in God's kingdom. A wonderful gift. God's word is the revelation. It's the spoken word. And we have that power to change other people's lives through the words of Jesus but yet, you know, a poorly equipped person leading and preaching is a dangerous person. Little knowledge can be dangerous, can't it? Knowledge is knowing that a tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting it in a fruit salad. <laughs> Now I work with gas, LPG gas, on a daily basis and I'm going to give you a quick science lesson here. If I was to fill this room with 3% of gas and then lit a match, what would happen? Did somebody say a bang? Yeah, there would be a bang. There would be a bang. Because if you fill this room with between 3 and 10% gas, LPG, it will explode. If I was to come in here and then fill this room with gas, fully to 100% what would happen it wouldn't ignite why why won't it ignite no oxygen the breath of life without oxygen the fire is dead without the breath of life in our lives we cannot hope to know Jesus the Holy Spirit brings that power into our lives We need the word of God. We need the word of God. You know, we need filling with that life-giving word to keep us alive. And Jesus tells us in John 15:3, So that when we find ourselves wavering or doubting in our faith, we need to remember our destination. That destination, have you got your ticket yet? Have you got your ticket for the destination? And is your destination the right one? Because we know that only when we know our way will we hope to reach that destination, which is that wonderful day when we stand in front 
of Jesus. Wow. What a day that will be. What a day that will be. The time is winding down. And we need to focus on the important things in our lives. We need to share the word of God with those who doubt. We need to share the word of God to those who do not yet know. We need to snatch them from the fire of the evil one. For in the last days there will be terrible times. It tells us, doesn't it? You know, you'll remember seeing some of you, the man in the street with the billboard. And the billboard had those wonderful words on it, didn't it? Repent and believe. The end is nigh. The end is nigh. Do you know, I think we should have that over the door of our houses every day. Because if we don't repent and believe, we could be missing something wonderful. Yet still, as churches, we argue about the silly things, don't we? What colour the vestry carpet should be. What type of biscuits we should after the service. God is waiting for us to go out there and to challenge people, to change lives. And the amazing thing is that when we go and talk to people, then they are receptive. They are receptive. I could give you some information that would blow your mind on Hope 2018. And if you get a chance to look at that, you will find that 70-odd percent of the general public are open to hearing the Word of God. So when you speak to someone out there, they're friendly towards you. They're just waiting to hear the gospel. They're waiting. I don't know whether you watched the Olympics last year. I was very fortunate. Uh, unfortunately, my um, uh, following surgery, major surgery last night, I couldn't, couldn't go anywhere, so I was actually watching the Olympics. And if you remember the wonderful training that Mo Farah went through in those Olympics... And he again reached the goal, didn't he? He won the prize, the crown, because he focused on the end. And for us, that's what we should be doing. Focusing on the end. And we have run out of time. But yet, out there, there are people dying. There are people without food. There are people using food banks. You name it. Mental health is in crisis. Suicide at an all-time People need to hear the word of God in this crazy, crazy world. Unless the word is preached, nothing will change. And the lost will continue to go to hell. Satan knows God exists, he knows the battle's lost, but his job is purely to try and draw us away from Jesus. We have a huge task ahead. We have a challenge. It's a simple and straightforward challenge. It's preach the word, preach it with power and preach it now. That's our task today and forever. You know, there's a story very quickly in this last closing minutes of a man who one day had a visit from the local pastor. He'd been previously attending services regularly. And he stopped going. After a few weeks, the pastor visited him. It was a chilly evening, and the pastor found a man at home, sitting before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, 
The man welcomed him in, sat him in a big chair near the fireplace and waited. The pastor made himself comfortable but said nothing. In the grave silence he contemplated the play of the flames around the burning logs. After some minutes the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up that log, that brightly burning log, and laid it on the edge of the fireplace. The silent host watched in fascination. As the lone embers' flame diminished, the light went out. It went cold. It was as dead as a doornail. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. Just before the pastor was ready to believe, he lifted the tongs, picked up the ember, placed it back in the fire again. And it began to glow. And it began to come to life. And it began to flame. The preacher reached the door and said, his host said, thank you for coming, for your visit, and especially for your fiery sermon. I shall be back at church next Sunday. I shall be back at church. So we are living in end times. There's no room for manoeuvre. So what's the message for us today? Pray, pray, and keep on praying. Pray. Pray and read the word of God to equip us. Pray and ask God to anoint our leaders and our preachers and our ministers to preach the word of God faithfully. Let's keep those home fires burning. Let's fan the flame. Let's be white hot for Jesus.